Welcome to Do the Hard Thing, Episode 5. I'm Jason Archer, creator, freedom seeker, leader of self, full-time student, and part-time teacher of self-mastery. And today's theme is, All Significance is Assigned. So turn up the volume, put down the distractions, and let's kick this off. Now, have you ever started a project that you felt held a great deal of meaning for you, and then for whatever reason, you could not move toward the outcome you wanted to create? Whether it was a mental, physical, or spiritual target you sought, it did not matter. There was some part of you who refused to move. This podcast is born out of that specific idea. Do the Hard Thing is an exploration in human movement. So as I sat finishing up a seven-day leadership course near the wine country of Northern California, out on a 2,000-acre ranch that was so isolated by the surrounding hillside, I had about half a bar for cell service, tight living quarters spread among 80 or so individuals on a similar path, and no outside modern influences like TV or internet as a distraction. Nothing but time with my thoughts and an experience that would cause a great deal of thought and change in my life. In this place, I heard what would become one of the most impactful sentences I would ever hear uttered by another individual. The phrase was short and sweet, and it burrowed deep into my core the moment I heard it. Those words were simply this, all significance is assigned by people. Now on the surface, it may not seem like a very powerful statement. However, when you go deep with the concept, it becomes apparent pretty quickly that these words express a profound idea that ultimately puts you in charge of every aspect of your life. So let's unpack that. It's a big stoic philosophy-based claim. Now, I'm sure you've spent time with someone who seems to be upset or put off their game by the slightest thing, or maybe you have that one friend who leaves the house seeing racism in every act, or the guy at work who thinks the boss hates him because he hasn't gotten the promotion he thinks he's due. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. People of all stripes and backgrounds and success levels who have emotional response after emotional response to some factual happenstance in their lives. And rather than seek to understand why they have that response or why they hold on to their reactions time and time again, they simply fall prey to the way they see it, to their view of the situation, to the significance they've assigned to the facts they've observed. Now what you have to realize though is that the facts are not out to get you. And I'll give you a concrete example, uh, one from my own life. Now my father was diagnosed with polio when he was three months old. Uh, He grew up in rural Georgia and as a child largely lived a very normal childhood from the standpoint of enjoying playing with his cousins, hunting, fishing, and being outdoors and near family. And the way his polio manifested itself, it basically attacked his right leg. So he grew to rely on his left side. He played softball and basketball with his circle of friends in various leagues. I remember as a kid going to watch a softball game, he would pitch And then when it was his turn to hit, he would hit, stand in the batter's box, and someone else would run for him. He was and still is very good with people, and largely his polio didn't really prevent him from doing many of the things he really enjoyed doing. He was quite the inspiration for a lot of people who spent time with him. And one day he was telling me a story about looking for work. So he and my mom, along with hundreds of thousands of other people, were greatly impacted by the recession that happened here in the U.S., due to the financial crisis back in, you know, 07, 08, 09. And he was out of work, needed to earn money to pay the bills, and yet he couldn't seem to find a job. And after each interview, 
It seemed he felt worse and worse. Each time I talked to him, his spirits got worse and worse. He works in corporate real estate, so his job doesn't require him to do anything physical. And it's his responsibility primarily to negotiate leases and uh, locations for the companies he worked for. So when he was denied employment, the significance he assigned to that fact was that it was because of his leg. He felt the interviewers, and, and some of whom even flew him across the country to interview him a second or third time, got one look at his limp or his leg and assumed that he would not be able or up to the tasks they would assign him. Now, notice the facts he was working with here. He applied for work. That's a fact. He interviewed with various people. That's a fact. Sometimes he went on multiple interviews. That's a fact. He was not hired. That's a fact. Now, there's no disputing the facts. There's only the significance we assign to them. In other words, the stories that we're going to make up around the facts. So as he continued his story, he told me about applying for work as a young man. He was drawing a, a compare and contrast to the old days versus the modern world. And he would say in local stores or shops in his hometown, when he would go into you know these local shops or businesses and speak to the managers or the owners, he said they would take one look at him and tell him to his face, hey, man, you can't do the work. You know, you got a bad leg, polio, whatever. Um, and they wouldn't hire him because of it. They would just basically say, you know, it's not for you. You can't do the work. Son, you just cannot do the work. So he continued on, and he told me that he preferred it that way because in the modern world with the discrimination laws and the ADA laws being what they are, he could never know for sure why an employer wouldn't hire him. So you can imagine a person of any intelligence, you could imagine them thinking that they do such great work and then being refused and then having that just that idea of not being good enough or that idea of being denied worming its way into the side, into, you know, into the middle of your brain. And so, you know, legally they can, they could not say to him when he would go on these interviews, you can't do the work because of your leg. And so as a grown man, remembering those people who had shunned him as a little boy, the significance he assigned to not getting work as an adult was that it was his leg and his limp, and that caused the decision makers to pass him up. The thing is, though, he can never know if the significance he assigned to these events is actually true. Now, he may have been passed over because there were other candidates more qualified or who may have had closer ties to the markets they were seeking to fill. There's no way of knowing because you cannot know the mind of another individual. So as a man who needed to provide for his wife and pay the bills, and as the savings continued to dry up and things got harder and harder, he clung to the idea that he wasn't going to get work because of his leg. So rather than seek ways to make himself more valuable to the marketplace and learning newer, modern ways to market and build himself as an expert, he effectively externalized his failure based on a story he made up about not being hireable. This made him a victim of his own making. The significance he assigned to the facts kept him fearful and worried. And how could they not? I mean, his story was one in which he had zero control. So the significance we assign to anything we experience gives meaning to what we experience, not the other way around. Nothing means anything until you give it meaning, until you assign significance. So my question to you is this. Where in your life have you assigned significance to a set of facts and then allowed that significance you assign to create a situation where you see yourself as not having control or as a victim? 
as someone who has no power or chance to change their circumstances. So go back and look at the facts around these things, just the facts alone, and ask yourself if the story you decided to accept as significant is absolutely and 100% true. And then ask yourself if you can even know. If the story you chose requires you to know what happened behind closed doors, or it requires you to know the mind of another individual, as in a case of all the isms, just pick one, racism, sexism, etc., chances are your significance around that topic is just that, your significance. It's not the way it actually is. It does not give you the gift of omniscience. All the great teachers gave us this gift. The most famous example in the way of the Jesus sort of path was this idea of turn the other cheek when he said, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Jesus was teaching this concept that if someone strikes you or insults you, you get to choose your response based on the significance you assign to the event. So most of us run a story in our head that says, if someone hits me, then I have to get angry and I have to strike back. But what if you don't get angry? What if you don't strike back? What if you have the mastery of self to do the hard thing and keep your cool, to de-escalate, to understand that another person lashing out is not about you, either figuratively or literally? What might that look like when you experience what you perceive to be a slight? Someone talking bad about you or not inviting you to the next night out. How much lighter would you be if you didn't carry the weight of a negative story you decided to make up around those facts? That's it for today, guys. Thanks for listening. And if you found value in this message, be sure to share it up. Describe on iTunes, Google, CastBox, or Stitcher. Share this with those you know need to hear it on social. And I'll see you back here in the next episode. This is Jason Archer signing off. Now go and do the hard thing.